the Islamic philosophers and intellectuals of the medieval times. Ibn Khaldun's name has to be among the most prominent ones. And uh, he along with Ibn Rushd and Ibn Sina has to be mentioned whenever we talk about the intellectual life of the so-called golden era of the Islamic world. Although Ibn Khaldun's position is a bit different because he lived in the 14th century and the early part of 15th century and it was the time when the caliphate had ended the first four caliphates and it was before uh, the ottoman empire started so it was really the time from 13th century to 14th century and around 15th century when the islamic empire was really in turmoil and was fragmented which is why uh in Ibn Khaldun's work, you find some longing for the past. But uh, if you are going to read his work, it shouldn't just be studied as a part of, as, a, as somebody who was an Islamic scholar. He was much more than that. In fact, he opened up new fields of studies. And... Uh, you can consider him fathers of some of the modern disciplines and especially now when enough research is being done on his work we now realize how important his works were and how in he influenced the current social sciences economics and history as we study now so in this podcast i'm not going to talk about the large body works of his which is really really huge and probably the most famous in that series of works is the first one the introduction of that the whole series of works the introduction it's called mukaddima and uh, it's really a complete work in itself but at the same time if you see his works as i said it's a part of that it's the first part of the whole series and even in its introduction we get to know about history we get to know about different empires and sort of some ideas around nationalism and then later he also talks about economics so that was uh, 14th century and uh, most of the universities as we know today they never existed back then but it's very interesting how through rational reasoning and logic he creates such large body of work and approaches every subject with great care for those of you who don't know he was born in the 14th century 1332 to be exact in tunis which is the capital of tunisia 
and he spent much of his life in north africa he was also a politician held various positions and eventually went on to write these great works as i'm talking about what i find particularly interesting is as he talks about these subjects such as let's say history he talks about how it should be written and how it should be studied and he makes some really interesting points about history for example uh it's not just the telling or retelling of the past events but it's much much more than that it's about how objectively we see a story and uh, how do we study it so i'm going to read a few passages from his his book mukaddima and you will get to see how he writes but at the same time i do want, want to point out that uh, it's a long work it's a it's a work written in 14th century so it may not be suitable for everybody but people who want to see the original works people who want to see uh, want to research and really get into these historical works of literature then it's for you otherwise uh, i would suggest you can read certain commentaries on his works so let me read from the book itself here we go it should be known that history in matter of fact is information about human social organization which itself is identical with world civilization it deals with such conditions affecting the nature of civilization as for instance savagery and sociability group feelings and the different ways by which one group of human beings achieves superiority over another it deals with royal authority and the dynasties that result in this manner and with the various ranks that exist within them it further deals with the different kinds of gainful occupations and ways of making a living with the sciences and crafts that human beings pursue as part of their activities and efforts and with all other institutions that originate in civilization through its very nature untruth naturally afflicts historical information there are various reasons that make this unavoidable one of them is partisanship for opinions and schools if the soul is impartial in receiving information it devotes to that information the share of critical investigation the information deserves and its truth or untruth thus becomes clear however if the soul is infected with partisanship for a particular opinion or sect it accepts without a moment's hesitation the information that is agreeable to it prejudice and partisanship obscure the critical faculty 
and preclude critical investigation. The result is that falsehoods are accepted and transmitted. Another reason making untruth unavoidable in historical information is reliance upon transmitters. Investigation of this subject belongs to the theological discipline of personality criticism. Another reason is unawareness of the purpose of an event. Many a transmitter does not know the real significance of his observations or the things he has learned about orally. He transmits the information, attributing to it the significance he assumes or imagines it to have. The result is falsehood. Another reason is unfounded assumption as to the truth of a thing. This is frequent. It results mostly from reliance upon transmitters. Another reason is ignorance of how conditions conform with reality. Conditions are affected by ambiguities and artificial distortions. The informant reports the conditions as he saw them, but on account of artificial distortions, he himself has no true picture of them. Another reason is the fact that people as a rule approach great and high-ranking persons with praise and encomiums. They embellish conditions and spread the fame of great men. The information made public in such cases is not truthful. Human souls long for praise and people pay great attention to this world and as the positions and wealth it offers. As a rule, they feel no desire for virtue and have no special interest in virtuous people. Another reason making untruth unavoidable, and this one is more powerful than all the reasons previously mentioned, is ignorance of the nature of the various conditions arising in civilization. Every event or phenomenon, whether it comes into being in connection with some essence or as the result of an action, must inevitably possess a nature peculiar to its essence as well as to the accidental conditions that may attach themselves to it. If the student knows the nature of events and the circumstances and requirements in the world of existence, it will help him to distinguish truth from untruth in investigating the historical information critically. This is more effective in critical investigation than any other aspect that may be brought up in connection with it. Students often happen to accept and transmit absurd information that in turn is believed on their authority. Al-Masudi, for instance, reports such a story about Alexander. Sea monsters prevented Alexander from building Alexandria. He took a wooden container in which a glass box was inserted and dived in, dived in it to the bottom of the sea. There he drew pictures of the devilish monsters he saw. He then had metal effigies of these animals made and set them up opposite the palace where building was going on. 
When the monsters came out and saw the effigies, they fled. Alexander was thus able to complete the building of Alexandria. It is a long story made up of nonsensical elements which are absurd for various reasons. Thus, Alexander is said to have taken a glass box and braved the sea and its waves in persons. Now, rulers would not take such a risk. Any ruler who would attempt such a thing would work his own undoing and provoke the outbreak of revolt against himself. And he would be replaced by the people with someone else. That would be his end. People would not even wait one moment for him to return from the dangerous risk he is taking. Furthermore, the jinn are not known to have specific forms and effigies. They are able to take on various forms. The story of the many heads they have is intended to indicate ugliness and frightfulness. It is not meant to be taken literally. All this throws suspicion upon the story. Yet, the element in it that makes the story absurd for reasons based on the facts of existence is more convincing than all the other arguments. Were one to go down deep into the water, even in a box, one would have too little air for natural breathing. Because of that, one's spirit would quickly become hot. Such a man would lack the cold air necessary to maintain a well-balanced humor of the lung and the vital spirit. He would perish on the spot. This is the reason why people perish in hot baths when cold air is denied to them. It also is the reason why people who go down into deep wells and dungeons perish when the air there becomes hot through putrefaction and no winds enter those places to stir the air up. Those who go down there perish immediately. This also is the reason why fish die when they leave the water, for the air is not sufficient for a fish to balance its lung. The fish is extremely hot and the water to balance its humor is cold. The air into which the fish now comes is hot. Heat thus gains power over its animal spirit and it perishes at once. This also is the reason for sudden death and similar things. Al-Masudi's reports another absurd story, that of the statue of the starling in Rome. On a fixed day of the year, starlings gather at that statue, bringing olives from which the inhabitants of Rome get their oil. How little this has to do with the natural procedure of getting oil. Another absurd story is reported by Al-Bakri. It concerns the way the so-called gate city was built. That city had a circumference of more than 30 days journey and had 10,000 gates. Now cities are used for security and protection as will be mentioned. Such a city, however, could not be controlled and would offer no security or protection. Then there is also Al-Masudi's story of the copper city. This is said to be a city built wholly of copper in the desert of Sijil Masa, which Musa crossed on his raid against the Maghrib. 
The gates of the copper city are said to be closed when the person who climbs the walls of the city in order to enter it reaches the top he claps his hand and throws himself down and never returns all this is an absurd story it belongs to the idle talk of storytellers the desert of sigil masa has been crossed by travelers and guides they have not come across any information about such a city All the details mentioned about it are absurd if compared with the customary state of affairs. They contradict the natural facts that apply to the building and planning of cities. There are many similar things. Only knowledge of the nature of civilization makes critical investigation of them possible. It is the best and most reliable way to investigate historical information critically. and to distinguish truth and falsehood in it it is superior to investigations that rely upon criticism of the personalities of transmitters such personality criticism should not be resorted to until it has been ascertained whether a specific piece of information is in itself possible or not If it is absurd there is no use engaging in personality criticism critical scholars consider absurdity inherent in the literal meaning of historical information or an interpretation not acceptable to the intellect as something that makes such information suspect personality criticism is taken into consideration only in connection with the soundness or lack of soundness of muslim religious information because this religious information mostly concerns injunction in accordance with which the lawgiver prophet muhammad enjoined muslims to act whenever it can be presumed that the information is genuine the way to achieve presumptive soundness is to ascertain the probity and exactness of the transmitters on the other hand to establish the truth and soundness of information about factual happenings a requirement to consider is the conformity or lack of conformity of the reported information with general conditions therefore it is necessary to investigate whether it is possible that the reported facts could have happened